0: okay well we'll get started and open with a word of prayer and in the romans lord we thank you so much for this book thank you for what we've learned out of it thus far pray lord that we would be strengthened and Challenged this morning in Sunday school lesson, in your name, amen, Romans 2, Romans 2, should be in, well, your lesson says 19, but it's actually going to be 17 through 29. Top. Mine. It's not 19. We're not skipping two verses. <laughs> 17 to 29 is what we're saying. Well, except Okay, well, last week, um, Dean spoke on um, chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. And as you can see at the top of your paper there, Romans chapter 1, 18 through 2, 16 speaks primarily to Gentiles. So as we're reading through this, you can pick up the idea that it's speaking to the Gentile people uh, primarily. Uh, here, and it's important because right now we're transitioning from Paul speaking to the Gentiles and laying out the case for the Gentiles having no excuse uh, to be uh, no. There's no excuse as far as uh, their treatment of God and their relationship towards God. If like you see there in Romans one eighteen and twenty. Says that they, uh, God has revealed Himself through creation. There's no way that the Gentiles uh, or or humanity does not recognize that there's a God, and God has revealed Himself uh, through creation. And so through that we see the sinfulness of man uh, from from uh, one eighteen to two sixteen, and it really spells out the different. Parts of humanity and how we are sinful and in desperate need of salvation and then we know that the roman church was filled with uh, a mixture the the jews as we studied at the beginning of the book had been uh, kicked out of rome but obviously there was a remnant or a group still there um, The there was a lot of uh, fighting back and forth and so they were the 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 emperor told him to leave um but now we see that paul is re- um, going to change from talking to the gentiles to the jews so we do know that there was a remnant or a group of jews still in that church okay and so the from 217 to 320 speaks to the jewish community which was inside the church Paul goes back and forth through the book of Romans, uh, talking about the law, talking about Jews, talking about Gentiles. The case of the book of Romans is giving us the understanding of salvation, giving us the... Paul is laying out a beautiful picture of salvation and how it works through justification and everything else. And so... um, through that. Through that um, we see Paul talking about Gentiles and about Jews back and forth. And in what his goal primarily is to tear down there's no difference in salvation between Jew and Gentile. And he's wanting to do, he's wanting to break that barrier down as we're studying and we're getting back into Acts on Wednesday night. Uh, we're going, that's what we've been studying back and forth is the Jews believe you had to do all of these certain things to obtain salvation. And they're teaching that the Gentiles can also obtain salvation through Christ. And that the Jews, by partaking of the law and all of those things, does not help them um, get any closer, obtain any more favor of God. The, the, the law and all of those things. And so that's uh, where we're going to find ourselves today. So the Jews, God's revelation um, reveals himself to the Jews by what we call special Revelation. Is your blank there? Special revelation of the law. Okay? So that special revelation was the law, and that was given specifically to the Jews. It was not given to the Gentiles. And the special revelation gave them a deeper insight and a deeper relationship throughout the Old Testament of knowing who God is, His character's his nature through the law. Okay, and so the Jews had this special um, relationship with God throughout the Old Testament because God specifically used them for, to bring about salvation, right? To bring about the plan of salvation is what the Jews were um, brought. Now, the Jews were called the, the, the Jews are uh, in the New Testament or called Jews. They were Hebrews. The name uh, changed over time from the from Hebrew to Jew. Uh, so that that's just that that's why they're called uh, the let me see here. I'm, I'm confusing even myself here. <laughs> so they were called Hebrews or Israelites in the Old Testament and then um, over time, that when they became 12 tribes, the um, Jews came out of one of the tribes, um, and that was the name that was given to them. So they were no longer called Hebrews or Israelites; they were called Jews. And it was more on a religious type idea when you were called a Jew. The, you were Israelite by your uh, race. Jew by your belief, okay? And so, Paul here in chapter 2 and 17 turns uh, specifically to speaking to them, okay? Um, Paul, in verses 17 and 18, so let's go ahead and we'll we'll pick up there. Verses 17 and 18, someone want to read those. Paul tells us exactly who he's talking to. Go ahead. Indeed, you are called a Jew, and rest on the law, and make your boast in God, and know His will, and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. Okay, so Paul here, he's breaking from talking to the Gentiles, and he gets straight into talking about the Jews, okay? And he talks about... um, he calls him out by name and then he says those that rely upon the law and boast in god okay so as we start unfolding what paul is going over here knowing as we go as we went through the gospels and so on and as jesus and as the apostles deal with the jewish leaders They're always talking about their understanding of the law and how their goal is to honor and glorify God and all of this. Okay, that is the façade, if I can say, of the Jews uh, at this time, Uh, and they uh, they they know His will and approve of the things that are essential, being instructed out of the law. So again, they have this special revelation from God, which is the law, that allows them to maybe have a deeper understanding of the law. Okay? So those are some things that identify the group of people that he is talking to. Now in verses 19 and 20, um, who they he he kind of spells out who they think, okay, and that's your blank there, who they think they are. Okay. The Jewish people thought that they were uh, spiritually superior teachers because of the law, okay? The Jewish people, and, and we see that, if you if read through the Gospels, you're going to see that constantly through the Gospels, right? They, they always thought that they were the, the higher class person because of their Jewish status, okay? And and some of that they're going to get as an understanding from the Old Testament. And so if someone wants to turn to Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42, 6, someone grab Isaiah 42, 6, Mike, and then someone Matthew 23, Matthew 23, 24 through 28, Grab that. And then James 3 1. James 3 1. Okay, so Isaiah 42 6. This is um, what's said about the Jewish people of that day. Go ahead, Mike. Sure. <clears throat> I am the Lord, and I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. Point to, as a covenant to the people as a light to the nations. Okay, so he's going to have them as a light to the nations. So the Israelites of the New Testament know that they were, they were set apart by God to be a light to the nations. And this is a good thing. And were they a very good light to the nations? No, they weren't. They were a bad light to the nations. Okay. they they, very rarely do we see any real positiveness come out of the Old Testament. But through that, we see God's love and his care and his faithfulness to keep his promises. But this is the things that were said in the Old Testament about uh, the Hebrews and the Jewish uh, people. And so this is what they would think of themselves at this time is that they were the light. They were the ones that were supposed to be giving the truth uh, as revealed through the law, okay? And then in Matthew, Jesus says this to them. So in Matthew 23, 24 through 28. Someone have that? You have that, Jess? Yeah. You blind guides who strain out a mat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So what Jesus tells them at that time is where Paul is going to pick up and say the same thing as we start unfolding the latter part of chapter two. All right. So Paul or Jesus here calls the Jewish people out and says that they are full of hypocrisy and they do not live. Uh, as they as they ought to, as according to what the law would teach. And then James 1, James 3 and verse 1. James 3 and verse 1. Someone have that? Go ahead, Mike. Let <clears throat> <clears throat> not many of you become teachers, my brethren. Knowing that such, we will incur a strict judgment. Okay. So this is something James talks about here is that not everyone should become a teacher and this is instructing as pastors and so on but those that teach spiritual thing and lead people Uh, in in the truth of the Word of God as I'm doing here and as Tyler does and as Jeremy's going to this morning, you're going to receive a a stricter judgment because you are uh, relaying the truth of God's Word. And and this is going to be something that Paul is talking about here uh, as we unfold this, as they were given the law and they understood the law and they taught the law but they did not live by what the law said. And so if I stand up here this morning and say you must live a moral life, and I spend the Monday through Friday uh, as an immoral person with, uh, living in an immoral way, I would be of a very uh, sound judgment, rightfully so. I cannot stand up here and say one thing and then live a different way. And that's what James is, is talking about there. Okay, and so this is what the, in the verses 19 and 20, this is what the Jews thought of themselves, that they were highly spiritual and superior teachers because they had the law and they were up here and the Gentiles were down here, okay? That's something that Paul is pointing out. Now, when we get into verses 21 through 24, Paul begins to point out specifically the hypocrisy of the Jews. And that's your blank there. The hypocrisy. Okay. How they live in such hypocrisy. And now in Matthew, we see that uh, Jesus calls them out there. Um, But. As we read 21 through 24, uh, we'll see that he he calls them out. Okay, so in verse 21, you therefore who teach uh, another to do not, uh, but you do not your, teach yourselves. Okay, so you teach someone, but you're not learning yourself. You're not you're not heeding to what you teach. Okay. Um, the, what is the old statement? Do as I say, not as I do, right? That's what we used to say as parents. Uh, that's, that's not a good thing to say, okay? If you're going to tell your kids not to do something, you should probably not do it yourself um, when it comes to obeying uh, laws and so on, okay? Um, you who preach that you shall not steal, do you steal, Okay? Uh, He's saying, you say not to steal, but you steal. Now it's a question here, but it's a pointed question. He's driving an issue here. And where do we see um, stealing talked about uh, as in in a more subtle way? How, How would we, where would we find that? Where would you think? Now, we know that if I, if I take this bottle of water and it's not mine and I walk away with it, that's stealing, okay? Um, but if Katrina's sitting there and she's really, really thirsty and she starts to covet my water, right? And it's my water. Okay, so I'm going to set it over here. <laughs> um, she is coveting something she can't have. It's not hers God says in that it's the same as if you stole it because it's in the heart, okay? And it goes to, um, if you go to Exodus, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17 is the last commandment, the 10 commandment, which says, do not covet. And it talks about coveting your neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, your neighbor's property, your neighbor's slave, all of those things. The coveting here is the same idea as being a, a thief, okay? And do you teach not to steal, but you covet? Or you, do you steal? That, that's, that's the idea. The Jews here, and again, understand, Paul is a Jew. He was well-versed in the first five books of the Bible, okay? So he knew what they he knew what they knew and they would know specifically what he's saying here he's not calling them outright thieves he's saying hey the law teaches that being a thief or being a coveted is the same thing coveting what you cannot have and so he's 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 relaying stuff to them that they would understand as jews and as people that understood the law okay In verse 22, you who uh, say that one should not commit adultery. Okay, that's obviously in the law. Do you commit adultery? All right. Now, in Matthew 5, 27 and 28, this is Jesus talking uh, to the Jews here and, and, and making the point that, hey, we shouldn't commit adultery, but if you lust after a woman, it is the same thing as if you had committed adultery. And the Jews would know this. They would know that it doesn't mean that you have to actually commit the act of adultery if you just think of a woman in, an un, uh, in, in a wrong way or a woman and a man in a wrong way. However, uh, that, that would work. Um you have committed adultery. And so he calls them out here saying, and and what Paul's doing here is revealing that there's no way to really fully act out the entire law. It's not possible. You say don't commit adultery, but you you commit fornication when in your heart when you lust after someone that's not yours. Okay? And, And pointing out that they teach do this, but they do the exact opposite in their heart. Okay, so that is uh, you, you find that there in in Matthew 5:27 and 28, where Jesus talks about not committing adultery uh, as uh, lustful. Okay. <clears throat> and then you who, in the latter part of 22, uh, you who uh, abhor idols and do rob temples. Now this is kind of an interesting thought. Uh, it took me a little bit of time to uh, research and study it because it's not <laughs> uh, it's not real plain here on what Paul's talking to and talking about. And so uh, if someone would like to turn to Malachi, I know this is a book that most of you know right offhand where it's at, but find the book of Malachi chapter number three, okay, Malachi chapter number three, and then someone Deuteronomy 725, okay these are two different thoughts, okay Malachi has one thought that what this could be about uh, and I believe Deuteronomy uh, is probably more likely what it's talking about uh, but uh, these are some ideas of what abhorring idols. Now, the Jews, as a people group, uh, did go back and forth throughout the Old Testament, was struggling with idols, right? They, they had the golden calf and so on. But as a people group, they were known as a, 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 a people that only served one god they were monotheistic in their in their god they did not serve many gods they had one one god and that was what was known of the israelite nation or the jews is that they were uh, dedicated to one god and so uh, it it says here uh, you who have poor idols or hate idols do you rob temples? And so the do you rob temples would say that although you're saying I hate the idols and I so on, I'm still going to accept money from these uh, wicked gods of, and other idols and temples, okay? And so someone can read uh, Deuteronomy, or I'm sorry, uh, Malachi 3, 8 and 9. Malachi 3, 8 and 9. No, no. Okay. For I, the Lord, do not change as I let's say. He said 8 and 9. Yes. For man robs God, that you are robbing me, but you say, how, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions, your curse of the curse, that you are robbing me. Okay, so the one way that they are saying that they, God would, or possibly Paul is saying here is that they're robbing because they're withholding uh, their tithes from, uh, in in the Old Testament structure, they're holding their tithes. Um, That was one of the thoughts that was given. I don't think it fits as good as the Deuteronomy uh, 7.25 passage fits for this. So, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 25. Someone read that. The graven images of their gods, you are to burn with fire, and you shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them. Nor take it for yourselves, or you will be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Okay, so when they would go in and uh, conquer a land or take some, uh, take over a land, the idols that were in the, the, the false gods' temples, they were not to take that gold and that precious metal. They were to burn it and discard it. And they were they were not doing that. And that was a common thing even in into this day is to go in and uh, to get uh, money out of the temples in different ways and, and uh, exp- explore ways to make profit off of idols and uh, foreign or uh, false gods uh, in, in, in different ways. Uh, that they would go in and, and make enterprise and money off of um, exchanging within these temples. Okay? So on one hand, they're saying, we hate idols, we hate foreign worship, we hate any other gods, but they're willing to make money off of uh, these temples to foreign gods. And so that's, that's what the best I could come up with uh, through my study on what that is uh, specifically talking about. That they're willing to say, I hate and teach, hate idols, hate foreign gods, but they're still willing to accept a profit off of it in some way. Okay. Uh, and then verse 23, you who boast in the law, though you're breaking the law, do you dishonor God? Okay. So they boast that they're law keepers but they break the law sounds like our society today okay and they dishonor god this um as we're reading it here do you feel any do you feel pricked in your heart no why because you're not jewish but if you were a Jew reading this, this would be like a knife to your stomach or a knife to your heart. Because for you to say uh, you teach the law, but you don't follow the law, you uh, you break the law and you dishonor God, that would be like spitting in their face or slapping. Them. It's a it's not just a light accusation paul here is using very strong very pointed words to point out their hypocrisy and and how that they uh, are not living the way that they should uh and and misleading people uh from from god okay in verse 24 for the name of god this is this is huge Okay, this is a huge statement. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Wow, what a, what a statement. That is something that obviously no one in this room would ever want to be said of us, right? That the name of God is being blasphemed in Payson, Utah because of Payson Bible Church. That's that would be if I stood up here this morning and I said, listen, church, listen to me. The people of Pace in Utah are blaspheming God because of you. Because of you, they are blaspheming God. Would that not prick your heart? Would that not cause you to say, wow, what am I doing? That's what Paul is saying to these men and women here. The people, the Gentile believers in the area, and, and it's been said that they blaspheme God because of you. Well, why would they blaspheme God because of them? It's because of their hypocrisy. They walk around as if we in Payson would walk around saying, hey, we should act in this way and we should do this, but they know us in a personal level and they see us acting completely different. That is what's be being driven at the heart of the issue here, is that they say to do one thing and they live another way, which is the definition of hypocrisy. Okay. So Paul is not being gentle here; he's not uh, being, um, you know, passive. He's being very straight, just as he was with the Gentiles. He's not treating the Gentiles. Uh, harsher than the jews and he's not treating the jews harsher than the gentiles he's pointing out both groups of people are equally fallen before god equally fallen before god okay and then it gets into verse 25 through the end of the chapter and it uh, points out their disobedience um here talking about circumcision Okay. for your, and verse 25 for you indeed circumcised uh, is of value if you uh, if you practice the law but if you are a transgressor of the law your circumcision has become uncircumcision okay so if you so if the uncircumcised man keeps, requirements of the law will you not will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision okay this is written in Pauline language which is often not com- completely understandable okay so i will i will try to explain this maybe in a different analogy that would fit for us today and then tie it back in there okay you who um let me see here where am i you uh, and he who is physically uncircumcised is keeping the law will not judge you who though having the letter of the law and circumcised are transgressors of the law okay so those that are not circumcised keep the law the ones that do are circumcised are not keeping the letter of the law For he is not Jew who is... Now this is a big, again, this is a strong statement. For you to say someone was not a Jew is not a light statement. For he is not a Jew who is one uh, outwardly, uh, nor is circumcised, that is... Uh, which is outwardly in the flesh, okay? So if you are only a Jew on the outside and only have been circumcised uh, um, just in your flesh, that means nothing. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, okay? This is speaking to the heart, okay? Okay. Now, circumcision, your, your first point there at the end here, your circumcision uh, is an act of obedience. Okay, Galatians 5, 3. Someone want to grab Galatians 5 and verse 3. Galatians 5 and verse number 3. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Okay. Now there's a key word there, Mike. What is it? The whole, the whole law. You receive circumcision. You are under obligation to keep the entirety of the law not bits and pieces not the ones that you can uh, but the entirety of the law and so if you're going to claim your circumcision then you have to live in that way okay point number two Paul is speaking to the heart of circumcision not merely the physical okay and again I I, I went back and forth. I heard a couple different thoughts on uh, how to explain this and, and uh, one way it made sense, but I think some, uh, a way I want to explain this so that we can c- kind of clearly see what Paul is saying here. Think in your mind of a man or a woman that has desired to become a police officer, a peace officer, right? And he goes to school, He goes through training he learns the law he learns and understands the law and he spends time there takes this test does all the physical does all of the work that it takes to become a peace officer and gets his badge or her badge okay and they receive that badge if you Ask a police officer uh, what they think of their badge. It's a very important aspect to them, right? They don't just regard it and think of it as, as just a, you know, something I hang on my my vest. It's a very important thing to them. It's something that they've earned. It's something that they've gone after. It's a symbol of who they are, right? It's the same, I hope that this is your understanding, it's the same picture as circumcision was for the Jews. It was a symbol of who they were. Okay, now, if a police officer goes through all that training, knows the law, okay, he knows the speed limit laws, he knows the civil laws, he knows all of the different laws that it it takes to to protect American citizens. And he... uh, we'll just do a simple one to start off with. Okay. They, Paul named out several different sins. So, uh, Joe on the way home today decides that she wants to see how fast her car can go. And so she's going to get a ticket from this police officer, right? Justfully so she's breaking the law. Okay. So Joe gets a ticket from, um, so, uh, from this police officer. And after he's done, this police officer gets in his car and speeds off without any need of going. You know, he's not on a chase or anything and, and, and goes the same speed that she was going. That's the idea given here, okay? He says that she must obey the law, but because I have a badge, it kind of gives me this special privilege that I don't have to obey the law. Now, again, in the society we're living in today with police being shamed and I don't want to come across as well I am 100% behind our police. Okay? There are a few bad. The majority of them try to do a good job. So the analogy has nothing to do with the culture that we're living in today. Okay? I am 100% behind our police, okay? But if that police officer pulls her over and then goes off and speeds and goes the same speed limit, he is holding her to the law, but not doing it himself. Or he goes and uh, arrests someone and, and, and brings them in for stealing, but he's taking drug money that's coming in and stealing it. Okay, that, that's what's going on here. The law says you shouldn't steal, and he's holding this person accountable because you stole, but secretly he's going in and stealing drug money, okay? But because he's got this badge, I'm okay. I've got a badge, you know, it gives me certain privileges. This was the fight that was going on over circumcision, for those that are law abiding that we abide by the speed limit we don't steal we obey the law more than the person that's wearing the badge you getting you getting how that works together for us that are not law officers that uh, that do not went through the the training and wear a badge but we we abide by the speed limits we don't steal we don't we don't do we, you know, we, We're going to do things that are wrong occasionally, but we are law-abiding citizens. We are more faithful to the law than the officer is that breaks the law and tries to enforce it. That is what Paul is getting at here with those that think because they are circumcised that they have some special privilege to, to live a double life, to live a double standard. And Paul is pointing that hypocrisy out in, in detail, okay? It's very, very uh, pointed you know, in, in what he's saying. And, so, uh, and then he addresses those that, you know, he, he, he throws the Gentiles in here and says, the Gentiles don't live necessarily by the law. Um n- n- uh, have a knowledge of the law, but they, they, um, they do live by the law, just not knowing it as well as you do. And they, it, it's, it means more because it comes from their heart. It comes from their heart. And you as a circumcised person are living merely a fleshly outward uh, appearance. Okay. Paul up here, and as we get into chapter number three, uh, really starts digging into the heart of the, the Jew and his relationship and that we cannot rely. And Paul here in the next few chapters is going to talk a lot about the law and faith and how we are saved apart from the law and we cannot live from the law. Uh, We are condemned by it, okay? Salvation, the last point there, salvation is from God, not from external efforts to conform to the law. Okay, salvation comes specifically, it's only by God. It's not by external efforts. Efforts. That's what we were talking about in the last in the solos. Everything of salvation is from God. The Jews believed that circumcision was a major part of salvation and their relationship with God, and it was a for a time. And the point of circumcision is for it to be within the heart. It cannot only be a fleshly thing. It has to be the heart. And Paul spells that out through several of his uh, epistles. Okay, and the final verse I want to read this morning is Philippians three and verse three. Philippians verse or chapter three and verse number three. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and, and glory in Christ Jesus and put no, what is the word? Confidence in the flesh. Okay, we are the true circumcision, and this is talking about all men. Okay? that worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, not in ourself, and put no confidence in the flesh. And that is what Paul is dealing with here this morning. Is that they are putting confidence in, in re- everything in, in external law and external uh, circumcision and thinking that this is going to give them some kind of better status. And at the end of the day, that is what specifically condemns them. How they live is specifically uh, condemning them. Okay. So, as we learned in Romans, uh, as I said in eighteen through 8, one eighteen through two sixteen, Paul is very strong towards the Gentiles, pointing out that they are wicked in front of God. And they are deserving of judgment. And Paul begins here uh, in Acts two seventeen, addressing the Jews. And so that no group is left out. That everyone understands when you get done reading Romans one through Romans three twenty. No one is left out. Everyone is judged under sin. And no one can escape it. Because you're, you're going to fall into one of the categories. Good thing that Romans doesn't end in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Because so we can kind of have no hope. Okay? But it doesn't. It, it, gets, it gets very glorious and very wonderful as we begin to study. Uh, as Paul reveals salvation in all of its uh, uh, many aspects, okay? So this morning, it's more of a lecture than it was a a class, Um, but I hope this morning that you got, you're understanding Paul's uh, thrust here is that we are all condemned. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. We are all condemned. And he continues to go through that. We'll have two more lessons. Uh, next week is uh, Romans 3. Okay, we already made it to Romans 3, so we're doing good. Romans 3, 1 through 8. And, and then we'll go through 9 through 20, and, and we'll start uh, talking about justification. Okay? But Paul is going to not leave any stone unturned when he's talking about who we are as humanity a very important thing as we live in our, in our country and we live in the societies that we live in and we deal with people that they clearly understand their status before God. It's important for us to understand that and it's important for the world as we share the gospel that they clearly understand their status before God is a fallen sinner. You cannot read, as I just said, uh, Romans 1 through 320, and say, well, none of that applies to me. If you can read that and say, none of that applies to me, then you don't have to worry about it, other than you're wrong, so you do. But um, if you can honestly say that doesn't apply to you, uh, then you need to read it again, because it does, for sure. Yes, ma'am. All is very blunt. What would happen if we were like that? You, to you? you um, are condemned. You are, a, and you know, not being soft and really nice. Some people have um, some positions have the ability to be blunt. Okay, as a pastor uh, from the pulpit, I have. Uh, the position that allows me to call out sin and to be very blunt. Uh, if our church was known for God being uh, dishonored in our society, it would be right for me to stand up in the pulpit and call out our church for that. Right. Um, so there is times for that as members of the members of the church and so on. Our call is to be loving and direct um, but we don't really we don't really want to um, you want to call out sin that is heinous and sin that is for sure uh, and, and you can be strong in that uh, but we still have to be loving and Paul here um, obviously this is a going letter and so Paul is um, at the beginning is, is loving and then he gets into hey you gotta do as is, is wicked as can be. And then Paul goes back to, but there's hope and love. So there's direct, you know, and Jesus was the same way. And it depends on the group of people he's dealing with. If you're dealing with someone that's hurting their sin, you know, they're in jail. They, they've done something wrong, but they're hurting. You don't go there and preach at them and stand over them. If you're dealing with someone that's sitting in front of you that does not care about life and is just hard and, you know, has no compassion, you can be a lot harder with that person, a lot more direct. But you still have to have the balance of stern and and, and strict and harsh and love. And there has to be that balance. You can't be just one way because if you're only loving, you're not going to help anyone right? If you're only always loving, you're never going to help anyone that way either. But if you're always on this side where you're always just, you're sinful, you're sinful, you're sinful, you're not going to help anyone. You have to, you have to bring both sides together and be stern and harsh and call out sin for what it is, being loving and compassionate and tie the two together so that we point people to Christ and not steer them away as the Jews were here. So, you're right in saying that we should be bold for the truth. We should call out sin for what it is. But we can't just take that and say that's what we should be. We also have to make sure that we're loving, caring, and compassionate for the, those people as well. Is that Okay. Any other comments? We have a few minutes. Thoughts? I talked a lot today, didn't I? You were all... Uh, Seemed engaged, so that was good. No one was sleeping. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Well, it's good. The book of Romans is a very exciting, and as I as I stated a few weeks ago, by the time we're done with the book of Romans, if we if you are able to stay in the majority of it or catch up, you know I'm recording this on uh, on this device. It's up on the website, so if you want to catch up. By the time we're done with the book of Romans, you should be able to clearly understand and clearly be able to profess your faith in Christ and to be able to give an answer to the gospel. Uh, And we're going to deal with all kinds of issues that come up. Okay. And so this is a, this is, and some argue the greatest book in the Bible I don't like to give it that title because that makes other books of the Bible less important, but it is a essential book for every believer. Okay? Very essential. So, Mike, would you like to close us? We always thank you for the time that we come and study your word and be encouraged and understand the history of the um, world and your ability. And he's asked to do with us about this day. We looked up Man.